0: Steve! Mr. Harding. Steve. Mr. Mr. Harding.
1: Come on with me for a minute. I want to talk to you. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening?
0: Yes, I am. Podcasts. Exact. Exactly how do you mean?
1: There's a great future in podcasts. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation. Whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good. Right, Steve? Yes,
0: but... um, Let's see
1: if it stays that way. (laughs) I was just
0: going to say, it's good, but it it is gradually declining, I would say. I wonder if there are reasons for that. Perhaps we will explore some of those possible reasons in
1: this show. Maybe it's because when it was first presented, it's a comedy, and now it's a horrifying psychological (laughs) profile of a psychopath. (laughs) Hmm.
0: Times change. Times change. Hey, Steve. Do you have any trivia for The Graduate? Wait, we didn't even say the name. (laughs) You just said it. I thought maybe you were streamlining the opening.
1: All right, fine. The movie we're doing is The Graduate. There you go. From 1960-something. 1967? 67, 19... yeah. Thank you. 1967.
0: Wow. <laughs> we hadn't even landed on the moon yet. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, Who st-
1: cares? Starring Dustin Hoffman and a bunch of other people that you will instantly recognize or gasp in astonishment when they just pop their head in and say one line and then disappear. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. We'll get to that in the in the when we do the thing. Yes, when we do. The, you know what do we call it? The, the who made it? The who? No, that's not the who made it. It's the other part. The recap.
0: Oh, that part. The, you, the, the, the thing that takes up the most. The part time. that takes up most of the running time of the show. <laughs> you know the you know the show. That's right. The Graduate. That
1: that comedy romant, romantic comedy is I've heard it described, which I don't okay.
0: know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure.
1: The graduate Everyone knows the graduate Or at least one line from it Or maybe two Or or maybe 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 just
0: one word In some cases Depending on what the line is (laughs) Exactly Hey Steve Do you have trivia for this movie? As a matter of fact I do Great. I have I have two pieces of trivia. The first is just a, a really lovely showbiz anecdote. Did you know that Dustin Hoffman got the role of Benjamin by sexually harassing Catherine Ross? What no, I didn't read that. <laughs> Wait a minute. He what? Did, because he did. Um So here's the story. So Dustin Hoffman was doing his screen test with Catherine yeah. Ross. And okay. and and he was worried that it wasn't going well. So in uh-huh. and, in an effort to break the tension or whatever, uh, he, yeah. he reached out without telling her or whatever or, or indicating what he was going to do, and he pinched her in the ass. Oh, and Kath- great! Catherine Ross, uh, quite rightly, got really, really angry at him for doing that, and like yelled, yeah. and like yelled at him in front of everybody. It was like, "What the hell was that?" You know, and really just put him in his place. Um, and the awkwardness that Dustin Hoffman displayed by sort of you know uh, bending under Catherine Ross's rebuke <laughs> yeah. was the the perfect sense of, of awkwardness that Mike Nichols wanted for the character of Benjamin. And it was reportedly, allegedly, it was. Was that that sealed the deal and convinced Nichols to definitely cast Dustin Hoffman as Benjamin. So what a great lesson to take away from this. Yeah. Isn't that great? Um, Yeah. And one more quick, one more quick bit of trivia that I just thought was interesting because it's like a little peek behind the behind the camera. Um, Yeah. Many famous shots in this movie, but probably the most iconic single shot is the shot of Benjamin when he is framed by the leg of Mrs. Robinson. And that that particular shot that is not not actually Anne Bancroft's leg. That is... Whose leg is, is it? Did
1: they chop off someone's leg?
0: It <laughs> we don't know the woman's name. We've never found her identity. Um, <laughs> no, it actually... The leg actually belongs to Linda Gray, who was a model at the time, but was also an, an, oh. an, an actress and would eventually uh, become famous playing Sue Ellen in Dallas. So there you go. Why? Why? Because she auditioned and got the role, and then Dallas became a big hit.
1: No, why? Why is it her leg? Oh, why isn't it Anne Bancroft?
0: I don't know. Maybe it's like because she's a handsome woman in this movie. Yes, I agree. Maybe, maybe she just wasn't there. Maybe they, maybe they were just you know they knew they didn't really need to see her face or she wasn't doing a line for the shot, so they why? just said we don't need to have Steve. Why wasn't she there, we don't, Steve? We don't need this that. trivia is incomplete. I, sorry. Next time I'll come up with an entire
1: biography. <laughs> I think it's Linda Gray making up a. Story. So she could be in the graduate, you know that was actually me that was my leg, sure, no, it wasn't prove it. <laughs> It was my leg Shut up Did she come up with a story After Anne Bancroft had died And Mike <laughs> Nichols had died yes. And everyone else had died
0: now, now that it can't possibly be disproven I thought I should tell you That that's actually By the way I, I the play ground. everybody <laughs> You know that shot Of the back of Benjamin's head That's me Yeah <laughs> I was the body double All right, For everybody well,
1: I don't have nothing But the who made it So you ready Let's do it Okay The Graduate was directed By Mike Nichols As I stated before He was a comedian That worked with Elaine May For a long time And then he started To make a movie And he made a movie before this, which is one of my favorite movies, actually, and we need to do eventually. Um, And that is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm -hmm. Then he made this. He also made Primary Colors and The Birdcage and a whole bunch of, I think he did, what, Silkwood? Yeah, he
0: did a, yeah, he had a very long and, uh, for the most part, distinguished career.
1: That's true. It's produced by Lawrence Terman, who also... um, Uh, produced other uh, drama comedy things like uh, Short Circuit.
0: Ah, now there's a classic comedy for you, buddy.
1: And his last movie that he produced is the Not the Thing remake in
0: 2011. Ah, the movie that is exactly like The Thing, but it's not a remake.
1: It's not, it's prequel. It's a prequel, just has the same name. The same name and pretty
0: much the same story.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Screenplay by Calder Willingham, who uh, also scripted Paths of Glory and Little Big Man. And also Buck Henry, who's done a bunch of shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's been a character actor more than he has been a writer. But, I mean, he's well known for being, I think, one of the lead writers on the Get Smart television series. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he has some notable appearances on Saturday Night Live. And um, what else? Well, Steve, I'm looking at you. Um you
0: He didn't he direct uh, Heaven Can Wait? Yes, he yes. did. He wrote and directed yes. it.
1: You'll recognize him if you know. Yeah. yeah. Just, well, and I he po- he pops
0: up in the movie too. He ha- he has a small role in the film, and you'll, you'll if you know him, you'll recognize him when you see him.
1: Yeah. Based on The Graduate by Charles Webb, starring Anne Bancroft as Mrs. Robinson, and you know Anne Bancroft. Come on, she was in The Miracle Worker. <laughs> she played Miracle Worker in The Miracle Worker. She was the titular character from The Miracle. Yeah,
0: slapping that deafblind girl around and all over Te- the place, teaching her how to talk by smacking her around.
1: That's right, because it was the only language she. Understood. <laughs> Pain
0: was the only language she could comprehend. Now, would it surprise you, Steve, to know that she was not the first choice for this part? Um, Since we've done so many episodes of this show, at this point, no, it would not. <laughs>
1: Buckle in, buddy oh, boy. Oh boy. Buckle <laughs> the fuck in. Who
0: else was under consideration? These are
1: people who have been approached and either declined or sought the role. You're Ready? Oh boy, yes, I'm ready. Doris Day, who said, I don't want people to see my boobies. Mm.
0: <laughs> well, fair reason, I guess.
1: Joan Crawford. Wow. Lauren Bacall. Okay. Audrey Hepburn. Patricia Neal. Geraldine Page. Wow. Claire Bloom. Angie Dickinson. Phew. Sophia Loren. Judy Garland. Rita Hayworth. Oh my God. Susan Hayward. Jennifer Jones, Deborah Kerr, Eva Marie Saint, Rosalind Russell, Simone Signoret, Jean Simmons, Lana Turner, Eleanor Parker, Anne Baxter, Shelley Winters, Angela Lansbury, Ava Gardner, and Natalie Wood.
0: Wow. Uh huh. <laughs> I think it would probably... It would have probably taken less time to just name the actresses who weren't approached about it.
1: Were there any actresses of a certain age left in Hollywood that they hadn't approached yet?
0: Oh, my God. I mean, would it be be shorter to just say, like, well, they didn't approach Inger Stevens, and that's it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would have been easier. She was the only
0: one that they didn't approach. But there's no proof that they didn't, so I can't really say it that way. (laughs) They probably did. (laughs) Come on, please!
1: Pretty soon fictional characters would have appeared on this list. Wilma
0: Flintstone. <laughs> Grandma Kettle. Samantha Anyways, from Bewitched. <laughs> you mean Elizabeth Montgomery? No, Samantha. <laughs> the the witch lady. The witch lady.
1: All right. Dustin Hoffman as Benjamin Braddock.
0: This was Dusty's first movie, right? His first big movie. I think he might have done something yeah, before. His, his breakout role, certainly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He claims that he was cast, that they took a chance with him because he looked Jewish and he got a little... Some of the reviews were not kind to him because they said he had a nasally voice and a big nose. And I'm kind of like, based on this performance, there are lots of other things that they could have mentioned other than that.
0: (laughs) Catherine Ross as Elaine Robinson. What else has she been in, Steve? Oh well, the big one I think for me is the Stepford Wives. Yep, yeah. and you know that's about yeah, it. Yeah, she's been she's been well, in a lot of other stuff, but that's the big one. Yeah,
1: yeah. William Daniels as Mister Braddock. Now you guys know William Braddock. He was on Saint Elsewhere.
0: Yes, he is
1: that his big TV. That thing? That was his
0: big TV thing, and then I think a little bit later, Boy Meets World.
1: Hey, Steve, did you know that there were people interested in and also asked to do this part?
0: Who who other than William Daniels was asked? to to do this part.
1: Yul Brenner, Kirk Douglas, oh Jack Lemon, Robert Mitchum, Carl Malden, wow. Christopher Plummer, Plummer, and the cherry on top of this
0: cake, Ronald Reagan. Oh my God. <laughs> I could picture one or two of those. I, right. I feel like Jack Lemon could have done it, but I mean, gee, mm-hmm. like Kirk Douglas? Uh-huh. What the fuck? <laughs>
1: Murray Hamilton is Mr. Robinson. Now, you know Murray Hamilton as the mayor of Amity Island from Jaws. Yes. But he was not a first person. (laughs) Really? He wasn't the first person. he To be asked to play this part. Well, first of all, someone else had been cast first, and that was Gene Hackman. Oh. But they decided Gene looked too young. So then they asked Marlon Brando, and he was busy. So then they asked Brian Keith, and he didn't do it. Then they asked George Pappard, (laughs) and he looked even younger than Gene Hackman. So then they asked Jack Palance, (laughs) and he seemed too evil. So then they asked Frank Sinatra, who couldn't do it because of a conflict. My God. So then they asked Walter Matthau. And and he said, I can't do it because I'm in a play. And then they asked Gregory Peck. Oh my god. And he said, No thank you.
0: Gregory Okay, just imagine this movie if Kirk Douglas had played Benjamin's dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. The, again, or Marlin Braddock had been Mr. Robinson. If it had been Jack Palance, the whole tone of the last of this would have changed. Oh, that that what I told you before was my favorite scene would be much different. <laughs> It'd be like this
1: better end in a murder. Like, oh, I don't
0: <laughs> Benjamin's not making it out of this
1: one. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Wilson as Mrs. Braddock. You'll recognize her from I think the Adams family. She was in that. Was she? And yeah, okay. she played the the evil. Psychologist lady that finds Fester and brings him, brings oh, him back. Oh, I know, see. The evil lady. Okay. I, she's been in a lot of other yeah. stuff. Buck Henry as my cameo as a room clerk. Brian Avery as Carl Smith. Walter Brooke as Mister McGuire. Norman Fell, famous for what show, Steve? I
0: believe, if memory serves, he was in Three's Company.
1: That's right, and we've named we've name bombed him at least four <laughs> times during the run of our show. Yeah. Um he plays Mr McCleary, Alice Ghostly as Mrs. Singleton, Marion Lorne as Miss DeWitt. Music by Paul Simon, just the songs. Notice who
0: they left out in that? The other half of that group that Paul Simon was <laughs> That's in. That's
1: right. You know, the other part <laughs> the, 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 Simon and What's know, his face. He only
0: sang half of it, no big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and the regular score is by Dave Grusin, who has huge number of credits, but nothing terribly notable. And he's more well-known as a musician, and assessor and musician. So, uh, Cinematography by Robert Surtees, who also has done Ben-Hur and The Sting, and a bunch of other movies. Edited by Sam Osteen. Production company, Mike Nichols slash Lawrence Terman Productions. What an imaginary title, guys. Distributed by Embassy Pictures in the United States and United Artists Internationally. It was released... On december twenty second, nineteen sixty seven. Running time one hundred and five minutes. Budget three million. Adjusted for inflation, twenty two million dollars. Box office. $104.9 $104.9 million, or adjusted for inflation, $783 million, wow. cementing
0: it as the highest grossing film for that year. Wow. Shit. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking money. That's a lot of damn money. So in adjusted dollars, just think about this. In adjust- adjusted for inflation, The Graduate had a higher box office gross than Spider-Man. Can you Im- That's true. Can you imagine that happening today? A movie like this being like a mega, mega blockbuster.
1: Deadpool. They're pretty much the same, right? Deadpool and the <laughs> Deadpool and the comedies. Graduates.
0: Yeah, they both have very ambiguous, problematic heroes. We're not sure how the we're supposed to feel about them. The rating system wasn't in place yet. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is one of them movies where they were testing what they could get away with, guys. Oh, yeah. They were testing to see what they could get away with in this one before the MPA oh, yeah. said, we gotta put, right. gotta put letters <laughs> on these <laughs> things so the <that laughs> people
0: know what they're getting. <laughs> we'll show you boobies, but just real quick. Yeah, like you're having a, a fucking stroke. Like, am I hallucinating boobs in this thing? Like, ugh,
1: I thought, I'm thought i pretty sure. What's wrong with me? It could me? have been anybody's boobs, Doris Day. It could have been anybody. Yeah. It was probably Linda Gray's.
0: Not, yeah. I wonder why Linda Gray didn't tell that story. Uh, yeah, those are also okay, my Steve.
1: boobs. Are you ready to run into the ennui-filled world of the
0: fucking Graduate? I can't wait.
1: Yay! All right, let's put on our best mopey faces. Let's not appreciate all of the gifts we have. (laughs)
0: Let's
1: have undefined malaise as we awkwardly robot-like walk into the world of the
0: Graduate. Steve, Mm -hmm. take it away. Well, the first thing we have is a nice long shot of Dustin Hoffman at the airport while he stares at the credits right in front of him.
1: <laughs> well, he's on the airport he, yes, first. Yes, he's at, yeah. <laughs> we have Airplane Ennui. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, there's he, a
0: shot of him on the airplane, yeah.
1: Just staring blankly. Yeah.
0: Get used to that.
1: Then we, we have Airplane, Airport Ennui. Yes. And then we start getting Simon Gar, Simon and Garfunkel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Simon so and Garfunkel comes to our super- rescue.
1: No, they don't. They don't come to our rescue. How dare you? They do not. D- you take that da- the How dare you?
0: We're going to fall out no. right away.
1: I- <laughs> <laughs> fuck, this, fuck this song. I've heard it nine million times at this point. Fuck both you, you of them. You hear
0: it nine million times in this movie.
1: Every song <laughs> these, these pairs sing sounds like someone's about to hang themselves, yeah. and it could be the happiest. If they sang Rudolph the Red-Nosed fucking oh, Reindeer... Man. Can you
0: imagine the mournful <laughs> harmony they would bring to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? <laughs> What are they singing, Steve? Uh, it's uh, Sound of Silence. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sound of Silence. Yeah. Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend. Yeah,
0: N- Nice way to begin a comedy, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend.
1: Anyway, he's going through the airport while the credits play, and then we cut to Aquarium Ennui, where <laughs> Dustin Hoffman stares directly at us as a, with an aquarium behind him, and his dad's there, and Ben just wants to be alone, right?
0: Yeah, he's not... This is where we... we it's it's the note that Ben strikes again and again in the movie he just he's not happy he's not sure why he just wants things to be different he
1: says the same thing over and over again it's not that he's not happy he's worried about his future or something yeah and he and he's
0: not yeah he's i just yeah he says i'm worried about my future and his dad says well what are you worried about and he says i don't i just wish it was different
1: yeah Yeah. i just wish it was different yeah boomer philosophy (sighs) (laughs) anyways (laughs) They're like, shut up. They don't say shut up. They're like, come on, all of our friends are here. They're celebrating you coming back because you're a scholar and all this other stuff. And they lead him out of his room and they go down the stairwell and then there's an image in that stairwell that is going to haunt me (laughs) to the end of my fucking life. And that's the horrifying black and white painting of a sad clown. And if I could find it, I would put it up on the website, but I'm afraid that if I do that, the clown will come out of the computer screen, (laughs) eat me, and then the next time you watch The Graduate, with, I'll be standing next to the sad clown <laughs> in that hallway painting
0: because that has so been happened. to happen. Yes,
1: it has happened. Yeah. But oh no, poor Ben. Yeah,
0: he does, He's not. He's happy. got a
1: college education. He's a scholar. He's won another scholarship so he can continue his education. Right? That's true. Yes, he just got an alpha fucking Romero for graduating college. Yes, he college. did. All the adults are super proud of him, He's and he's a drag star. Yeah. Oh, no. His
0: life is terrible. I would be
1: upset, too. His life is awful, apparently. Yeah. Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you have your whole life ahead of you. People are offering you advice and job offers and everything else, and he's just like, he acts as if he's just going to throw himself out a window every second. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't assert himself, and he's very kind of like, I want to go. Can I go? Right. I want to leave. Yeah,
0: he's not not happy, but he's not able to speak up for himself and just be like, leave me alone or, you know. Or or just say, I'm not coming to the party. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm staying in my room.
1: So now he's uh, um, bopping around the party like a pinball, but someone notices him, don't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yes. A very interesting looking, quote unquote, older woman, although she's not actually that much older
1: than
0: (laughs) than anybody else. And goes up.
1: Ben goes up to his room, yeah. and then who walks in, Steve? It's
0: It's the aforementioned interesting older woman, Mrs. Robinson.
1: Yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. And, um she just decides to smoke in his room and uh, there's some dialogue that's exchanged and then um, he's like, oh, I'll drive you home. No, I'm going to be a jerk. No, I'm not going to drive you home. Let me just be a jerk a bit. I'm not going to drive you home. Let me seem put out about everything. I'm not going to do it. But she kind of insists, right? Yeah, she
0: doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah, and yeah. he drives her home. So
1: that's what He drives her home and then she's like, come into my house for a drink. And he's like, no. And he's like, come into my house for a drink. And he's like, fine. And he goes in there and he gives a drink. And then he accuses her of being a Harlot,
0: (laughs) the immortal uh, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you?
1: And she's like, No, 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 you fucking moron, of course not. No, me, it's because I've told you that my husband isn't home and I'm hitting on you so hard right now. (laughs) And he's like, Okay, and she's like, Come up, come upstairs. Yeah. Come on, idiot. Come on. I know you can't see past your malaise. Come on upstairs, you fucking moron. Yeah. And so eventually eventually what happens is is that he's in he's in her daughter's room, Elaine's room. Yes. And Mrs. Robinson comes in naked.
0: Yep, she does.
1: And she's like, Let's fuck. Let's make a thing. Let's stop panicking and let's fuck right. But he panics. And then, uh, who, Mr. Robinson comes home and saves the day, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Mr. Robinson comes home and Benjamin rushes downstairs and pretends that he's been sitting at the bar drinking the whole time while Mrs. Yeah, Robinson yeah. remains upstairs to, to get dressed. Right, yeah.
1: until she eventually comes down fully yeah. dressed. And, um, Mr. Robinson has some advice, you know, he's like, look, I, I suggest that you just take it easy. How about a nice, how about a nice beach vacation? I know a place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that once I retire I'll just become a mayor there. That's office, what I'll do. Yeah. That's right. So if you want if you want to relax, just let me know and I'll show you where it is. <sighs>
0: Then it's his birthday. Yeah, another party. One one party backs another, onto another the other. Yeah.
1: yeah, and uh, his parents got him uh, scoopy gear for him to be able to go s- spear fishing. I guess. And he, we have this extended scene of him walking out of the house and into the pool. And I guess he feels bad still, or something. <laughs>
0: He's yeah if he he feels bad still or something is how you could intro every scene of this <laughs> right, <laughs> but I guess he while down in the pool
1: breathing through his respirator and doing his beth darth Vader impression he he finally decides that he's going to succumb to cougar lust, right yes. So he calls Mrs. Robinson and says, hey, I'm at the hotel. And she's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: we're really going to do and this. He
1: goes, in, he goes in the hotel and he's walking through the hotel. And before we can get to any of it, we have a parade of elderly people that just goes on fucking forever. And I guess we're supposed to laugh at them or something. I don't know why that. Ha- can you tell me why that happened, Steve?
0: Because it's funny. Okay. Because it's awkward.
1: And, yeah. Oh, there we go. It's awkward. it's awkward. And then he has an awkward conversation with Buck Henry at the front desk yes. where he pretends that he. He's a member of the wedding party that's there. And then we have an awkward moment where he's about to crash a wedding, but it turns out to just be a wedding fender bender. <laughs> and he says, no, I'm not going in there. And that wasted a lot and of time the, and more awkward the, stuff, right?
0: There's the immortal line of, of the old man at the door after Benjamin fesses up that he's not invited to the wedding and leaves. Where As he's walking away, the one dude goes, hey, I don't get it. <laughs>
1: And then he goes in the bar, and he starts drinking, and then who shows up,
0: Steve? None other than Mrs. Robinson herself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, did you get a room? And he's like, no. And she smacks him on the back of the head. She's like, don't you think you ought to go get a fucking room? Yeah, we're here, shit.
1: To, we're here to fuck. Come on, let's go. She challenges get his it.
0: manhood. She says, do you want me to get it? And he's like, no, I'll mm-hmm. get it, Okay.
1: And he goes and he gets a room under a fake name, yes. Mister Gladstone. Although he
0: although he needs he needs two tries at it because at first he registers yeah, he needs, under yeah. his own name and he pulls the fucking sheet off.
1: We're, we're supposed to like this person, right? We're supposed to like him.
0: Yeah, we. Are. I I think this... I. Well, we'll get to that when I when I do my review. But I think we are. Okay. I think we are.
1: <laughs> and so he goes upstairs, and she comes upstairs, and then we have the most awkward, weird, fucking. Ugh. I've been 21 If a woman as attractive As Anne Bancroft Wanted to meet me In a hotel room To fuck That was what I would intend to do But this turns out To be watching a man Goggle gape And do all the wrong things And I'm like Why is she even Going through with this (laughs) How desperate Is this
0: poor woman
1: And how does that scene end, Steve? Because she starts taking off her clothes, and he doesn't know what to do. And he tries to kiss her while she's smoking, <laughs> and she's got to blow smoke out after the kiss, and it's just awkward and bad. Yeah,
0: well, I right? it, it ends again, just as with the the scene with them at the bar, where he eventually goes to get the room. It ends with her sort of challenging his manhood, asking yep. if he's if is if, has he ever done this before, yeah. and he's like, "Have I ever and done he's... this before?" And that sort of you know he goes and turns the light off, and
1: yeah, proves that he. He's never done it before. It, uh, anyway, proves that
0: he's never done it before, yeah.
1: Then a long period of blackness in which I was hoping that the movie was yeah. over, but it didn't. <laughs> what, an what, inter- we get next? what an
0: interesting, pointless short film.
1: Yes, what we get next is something that we're going to have to get used to, and that's an extended ennui montage. <laughs> yes, yes. In which it's filled with pool lounging And TV watching And more infidelity
0: (laughs) And black background sitting against Where we have to listen to Sound of silence again Hey, no, 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 no! you got that wrong We get to, we get to No,
1: we have to, we don't get to We have to listen to it again (sighs) Yeah, we do And while he's laying in the pool His dad comes up and he's concerned about Ben's loafing He's like, what the fuck are you gonna What are you doing? And Ben's like, I don't I don't know. And then guess who shows up?
0: Why? It's the Robinsons.
1: Yeah. And he's like, hi, Mrs. Robinson. And she's like, hi, Ben. How's the dick? <laughs> she doesn't
0: say that, but you know.
1: <laughs> so it turns out that they've been sleeping with each other for months. Yeah.
0: We're like deep into and, the summer at this point. Yeah. yeah,
1: And so now they're like, they're like out on a hotel room. And all Mrs. Robinson wants to do is fuck. She does not want to chit-chat. She doesn't want to talk about stuff. And he's, like, kind of insisting. And she's like, yeah, this is what this is. Oh, and never, because people have been alluding to Elaine, who's coming, who's going to be visiting from Berkeley, because she's coming home for school. They keep name-dropping Elaine over and over again. Elaine is Mrs. Robinson's daughter, yes. right? Yes. And she's like, yeah, never take Elaine out. And then what commences is perhaps one of the weirdest fights ever put to celluloid (laughs) in which our hero can't understand why the mother of of Elaine would not want him to go out with her. Hmm, I wonder why she might have a
0: problem with that.
1: (laughs) You know, maybe it's considered wrong to want to fuck the daughter of the woman you're currently fucking. Yeah, yeah. So then they get in a weird fight that ends weirdly. They're kind of still sad, I guess. Yeah. I don't
0: know. <laughs> again, that could be used to, to, to describe the end of every scene in the movie. Yeah.
1: And then but they're she's still sad. Like, yeah. And she's like never take a lane yeah. out. And he's like oh, I didn't want to until you said it, right? Or yeah, something. He's like, I never I would know. have thought
0: of it until you kept bringing it up. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Which you which he made her do.
0: <laughs> right. And then, and then forced her to keep talking about it after yeah. she brought yeah. it up. Yeah. So
1: now it's breakfast time at the Braddock's and they tell her that Elaine is back from Berkeley, and her parents want them to go together because they think that they'd be a good fit. And he's like, "I don't know,", I don't know which is basically his soundtrack the whole movie. He's like, I don't, don't, don't want to no, do that. I don't. I don't want to go, but they're like, do it. And it's like, oh, Ben is taking Elaine out, and Mrs. Robinson is extremely upset. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, she's very upset. And Ben
0: tries to explain. He tries to he catch he uh-huh. catches her like whenever when nobody else is in the room, and he's like, look, this isn't my idea. I it's mm-hmm. either I take I take Elaine out like this, or they were going to have a dinner party where everybody would be there, and that's just too much. I couldn't handle that. Yeah. So and and Mrs. Robinson is like, yeah, well, sorry, I told you not to take so her he, out. You're taking her out, so yeah. fuck you, buddy.
1: So he picks up Elaine. He drives like an asshole, yes. just speeding and everything else. They go to a strip club. Mm-hmm. Yep. Elaine leaves weeping because yep. Yep. <laughs> he's being a jerk. He runs after her, apologizes to her that he's not, not like this. And while she's still upset, he then forces a kiss on her. Yep. Right? Yep. And that made everything better. It's, it's
0: up to that point. It's a first date yeah. so terrible that I like to think of a young Paul Schrader watching it and going, yeah. I can beat that. And then 10 years later, he did Taxi Driver. <laughs> which had an even worse first date. So
1: then they go and get burgers. Ben starts talking about how I can't remember what he says. Something like, I hate people or something. I can't remember. But just as we're about to get some detail into Ben and how he feels and what he's going through, the people in the car next to him are making too much noise because they're at a drive-in burger place. Yeah. And so they roll up the windows and close the roof, and he starts talking, and we get to hear none of it. None of it. It's literally like, he—he Ben is like, well, let me tell you what I'm going through. Up, and then they close everything up, and we don't get to hear it. Yeah, exactly. Right, right yep, Steve? Yep, Great. Yep. That's great. Yep.
0: That's that's a choice that was made by the people who made this film. Yeah.
1: Yep. So he drives Elaine home. Elaine wants to fuck. Um, he then takes her to the hotel where he fucks his mother. Yeah. And every single person at the hotel knows him. And I laughed out loud when the little person bellboy even knows him by his <laughs> hey, fake Mr. name. Hey, Mr. Gladstone. He says, well, welcome back, Mr.
0: Gladstone. Every single person they pass knows him, yeah. Yes.
1: And then Ben realizes that maybe this is a bad idea. Because unless we haven't covered it, he's an idiot and an asshole. Anyway, (laughs) they agree that they're going to go out on another date the next day, right? Yeah, They say, yeah, let's go out on another date next day. She's like, okay. yeah. So he comes by for another date, and it's raining. And a woman runs up to the car, and "Uh uh-oh, it's Mrs. Robinson. Oh, she's not happy. No, and she says, if you don't stop it, I'll tell Elaine. And he goes, oh, yeah, watch this. Oh, my beer. And he runs (laughs) out of the car. I can destroy my own life. Storms into the house wet like a madman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Runs and in, barges into Elaine's room while she has her top off. Don't worry, we don't get to see anything. And then, it, just before he's... he told Because he kind of told her that he had had an affair with an older woman. Right? right. And he's like, remember that woman that I told you
0: that I had an <laughs> with Funny story. That? Guess who that turns out to be. Yeah, yeah. And
1: then Mrs. Robinson comes up, and then they exchange a glance, and then Elaine realizes who who it is, and then she tells him to get out, and, yeah. and Mrs. Robinson shrinks into a little person in... <laughs> a long hallway that I didn't know they had. And she says <laughs> goodbye, Benjamin. And now we get ennui montage number three, where we discover that Ben, since we've not really liked him up until this point, at least not me personally, um, adds to his character by becoming a fucking crazy stalker man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or he's watching her from a distance and slowly driving by the house and kind of becoming obsessive about this one woman that he had one date with yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. Whose only shared kiss was forced upon her after he took her to a strip club to intentionally hurt her yes.
0: feelings. Anywho, <laughs> and she was crying in humiliation.
1: Just when you think, oh, Ben's becoming a little obsessive, but I guess it's it's inspired by regret or something. Um, especially when he sees, you know, uh, Elaine's, Elaine and Elaine's father leaving the house, leaving Mrs. Robinson by herself, which implies that bad things are, are happening in the Robinson household. Um, he tells his mom and dad... Uh, at breakfast time that he's going to marry Elaine.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they react, understandably, at first, they're very happy because they think this means that, like, Ben and Elaine are are a couple and they're going to get married.
1: Yeah. In fact, Ben's mother lets out a scream to let the Klingons and Stovacore know that another warrior is coming, she screams so loud. Oh,
0: I love that you got a Star Trek reference into this. Um, I try every time. It doesn't always work. <laughs> and yeah, and it turns out, uh, as as Ben's parents soon discover, that no, Ben just kind of decided that him and Elaine are going to get married. Elaine doesn't know yet. In fact, as Ben himself no. admits, Elaine doesn't really like me. No, <laughs> But I'm going to go find her and marry her.
1: I'm going to go find her Up at Berkeley, and I'm going to marry her. So now we get Ennui Psycho Montage number four. Notice I added Psycho to it because he's turned into a fucking Psycho.
0: Because he's getting worse.
1: So. Um, he goes up to Berkeley to try to find and then propose to this woman that he had one date with and forced to kiss on for marriage. Yeah. And he goes up to Berkeley and he starts stalking her around right. and watching her leave campus and staying at a distance. And then he gets he rents a room and that's where Mister Roper is. Yeah. And then he continues to stalk Elaine. And we're all getting this to. Um, what song is it again? It's it's for on the song
0: for the second or third time in the movie already. It's fourth it's, time. Uh, yeah. Scarborough Fair.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah! It's Scarborough Fair. Yeah. Which this. at one point Scarborough Fair is a song we're listening I, to. I think
0: at one point they play back to back. Like there's there, uh-huh, there's there's yeah, a scene they, set, they set to Scarborough Fair, and then it kind of it kind of fades out, and then like the next it scene is Scarborough Fair again. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, but then he pretends to meet her on a bus. Yes. In which she, he sees her get on a bus, and then just like a true psycho, he wants to confront her in a confined area with lots of witnesses yes. so that she doesn't make a scene. And, uh, he runs to the next bus stop and gets on and says, Oh, what a coincidence! The creepiest fucking thing for boy! Yeah, boy! Oh! Anyway, um t- t- he has devolved into a complete creep. He he's just a he's awful, Steve. This is Okay, so she says I'm going to the zoo and he goes, oh, "Well, I'll go too." Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Remember me, the guy who fucked your mom? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's all go to the zoo.
1: Let's all go to the zoo. And they go to the San Francisco Zoo. How do I know it's the San Francisco Zoo? Because when they cut to the zoo, they show Monkey Island. And Monkey Island is a cement block where they just dumped monkeys onto it. Okay? And Monkey Island is the most wretched thing from my childhood because every once in a while when you walked up to Monkey Island, there was a dead monkey in the water. Because last time I checked, a natural habitat for a monkey wasn't a solid slab of fucking cement in the middle of a goddamn artificial lake. Thanks,
0: graduate. That's some fucking marketing right there. What are we going to call this concrete bunker that we put the monkeys in? I know, Monkey <laughs> Island.
1: It looks like a set from Star Trek. Wow. It's just like slabs of concrete and a miserable monkey sitting there, and people would throw food to the monkeys, too, which would lead to them falling into the water, panicking and drowning. Oh. But, you know, it was a different hence, time. Anyway. Hence the
0: Do Not Tease sign.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so they're still playing Scarborough Fair, right? Yes. And she's talking to him and then she meets some dude who's smoking a yeah, pipe, Carl. right? And at this point, I wrote in all caps, "I hope Scarborough Fair burns <laughs> to the fucking ground." Is what I what, what I wrote at this point because I could not take listening to it another time. I was not you No. You should no what more. you should
0: do is you should listen to Bob Dylan's "Girl from the North Country," which is where they ripped off half of the lyrics from. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so he's back at his room that he's renting, and somehow Elaine finds him. Yes, yes, and
0: she's not happy.
1: Yeah, and so... Now he is. She's like, What do what you. Wh- how could you do that to your mom? And we get to find out that Mrs. Robinson is claiming in this comedy <laughs> that he raped her. Yeah.
0: She's making good on her promise to ruin Ben's life if he took Elaine out. Right. Yeah. She, she and, was serious about that.
1: He doesn't actually completely get a chance to explain his side of it because she screams really loud and falls on the bed because she doesn't want to hear any more of it. And then everyone is in the hallway wanting to know what the scream is, including Mr. Roper, and then uh, Richard Dreyfus pops <laughs> yes. in, says one line, and then disappears. Hey, that- and I'm like, wait, was that was Richard Dreyfus in oh, here? Shit. Or is that Matt Hooper studying to become an ichthyologist? Because that's a possibility. These could be in the same universe, I- right? I-, I
0: always assumed that they were. Yeah, okay.
1: Totally. Anyway, then Elaine leaves, and then she comes back. And then, completely believably, they kiss. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess she worked and it out. She thought about it, and she's like, yeah, I guess I'm okay.
1: He proposes. And she says, "What, Steve?"
0: Uh, she's well. She's noncommittal. She says, "I don't know. I'll think about it. I don't know She'll if I can." Think yeah, about yeah. it.
1: And so now we cut to him pestering her about marriage, and he starts following her around the school. And here's here's something that won't give you chills. He follows her up to a classroom, and the door closes, and he stands there. And then the bell rings when the class is over—a good two hour college class and he's standing in exactly the same spot yes. that he was in when she went into the classroom because he has the, the patience of a crazy person. <laughs> Oh, and she's already engaged to that creepy weirdo, that was You know, yeah. and, you Car- know Carl. to the other. Carl with the, the pipe. The, the yeah. Carl. He's I me mean, he not be a creepy weirdo. He's just. He dude, just smokes right? a pipe, and
0: that makes you just look. You look yeah. twice at somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. Pipe. Okay.
1: So, um, he keeps following her around. She kisses him and says, "Because he, he's like, are we going to get married tomorrow?" And she's like, "I don't know. I don't think so. What about the next day? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so." And then she kisses him. She kisses the creepy weirdo, yeah. and and then he goes and he gets a ring, yeah. and flowers, and he goes up to his room, and oh. Steve, who's there?
0: Sitting in the shadows like a CIA agent. <laughs>
1: I wish it was the cigarette smoking. <laughs> man. Oh, it's
0: oh, please, that would be great. No, it's not the cigarette smoking man. It's actually uh, Mr. Robinson.
1: Oh, good. Does Mr. Robinson kill him? No. Justifiably throw him out a window? <laughs>
0: he does not. He he does. Oh. he does. However, give him quite a large piece of his mind. Good,
1: because yes. we're watching this poor man. Psychologically disintegrate in front of in front of the person that basically ruined yeah. his life. Yeah, oh, right? yeah, yeah. Because let's 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 go back to this from from Mr. Robinson's perspective. His wife has cheated on him with this man, and now this man is pursuing his daughter to marry her. Yeah, I think that that deserves a shiv. I think I would shiv that guy. Yeah, would would it's you? It's pretty.
0: Sh- it's pretty shitty. And and in in their conversation, <laughs>
1: just pretty shitty. In
0: their conversation, notice that. Uh, Mr. Robinson reminds Ben of how long they've known each other. You know, it's uh-huh. so basically like, you know, you're not just a stranger. Which is
1: his whole goddamn yeah,
0: life. Yeah, you're not just a stranger. Like, we've known each other for your whole life, and you're uh-huh. doing this to me and to my family, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he explains to him, you're, you're uh, disgusting. Everything he says in the scene is absolutely correct. What does he say about Ben? He says, I think you are filth. I think yeah. you are
0: scum! Yeah.
1: You are a degenerate! The is yes. all three
0: of those yes. things. Anyway. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> then Mr. Roper comes up and says, get out. Yes. <laughs> I run an honest... I run a clean family establishment. That's right. Get the fuck out.
1: And also, Mr. Robinson tells him that Elaine has left, and that he's never going to get her again. Yeah. Elaine has yeah. left. So just forget yeah. about it. So the psycho creep uh, speeds back home in his Alfa Romeo, you remember that incredibly expensive car that he got for graduating from college and he speeds back home and then breaks into the Robinsons' home
0: he does, he does, yeah
1: you know what, the only thing that's that saving this movie is that they need a soundtrack change Steve if this was done with creepy music this is this is a movie about a psychopath that destroys a family
0: <laughs> that's true that's very true okay <laughs> uh-huh.
1: but instead we now switch over to the the light hearted set music for the, the- creepy guy who could potentially, I guess, murder everybody
0: <laughs> at this point. It wouldn't be that far out of character given what we know about him Yeah.
1: So he breaks into their home, goes upstairs, and Mrs. Robinson's there, right? And she immediately calls the cops, as anyone would do, and then he gets a little violent when he she refuses to tell him where her daughter is, right? Yeah. He starts throwing it, shit around.
0: Yeah, and then he, as the police arrive, uh, because it was rich white people calling him, so they got there in like ten seconds, uh, yeah. he, he flees the house, declaring... They he will find her.
1: Yeah. And, oh, yeah. She's also marrying the other dude, right? She's
0: marrying, yeah, Pipe Smoke and Carl, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So then he jumps back into his psychomobile and <laughs>
0: drives all <laughs> the way back to Berkeley.
1: Psychomobile
0: right? away! Now, I'm assuming
1: yes. that he lives in Los Angeles,
0: right? There seems to be, yeah, there's, there seems to be some distance between, yeah, Berkeley so and where if, he lives.
1: So if even they live, that's 300, 400 miles away. It takes a few hours to drive that. Okay, so now he's driving all the way back to Berkeley and instead of going to where she lives, he goes where, Steve?
0: Uh, he goes to the frat house where, where Carl yeah. lives. Yeah,
1: yeah. and what he gets the frat guys to tell him that he's getting married in Santa Barbara, right? Right. And I know for a fact that between Berkeley and Santa Barbara, that's at least 400 miles. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so he goes back the other direction. And the creepy
1: psycho to the upbeat Doo, do, 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 music is going back down to Santa Barbara. And at this point, I think Ben is seeing fictional characters talking to him while he's driving.
0: <laughs> Faster, Ben. Faster. You're not going to uh-huh. make it.
1: But after driving an equivalent of 2,000 miles back and forth, he finally runs out of gas. Uh-oh. Right, Steve?
0: Yeah. Mm. But lucky After being he...
1: offered gas by someone else. After <laughs> pretending to be a priest to get to know where the, the church is going to be, right?
0: <laughs> yes, at a gas station. And as he drives at, away, at gas the, ga- the helpful gas station attendant says, you need any gas, Reverend? And Ben true to
1: form doesn't pay attention to him seems like a panicky weirdo <laughs> sweaty panicky weirdo jumps into the car and drives off he should have got gas but this is this is Benjamin and he's, he's I hate him yeah. and I don't care why I hope he gets hit by a train anyway so <laughs> (laughs) He runs out of gas, so he's just running to the church, right?
0: Yeah, because he knows that it's going to be at the First Presbyterian Church. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so he he gets to the church, and the downstairs is locked, so he runs upstairs, which has these nice big windows so you can see inside the church. And he sees that they have gotten married because they're kissing. Yeah, the the wedding
0: is over, yeah. The kiss comes at the end.
1: Ben's life folds in upon it his brain just kind of, you know, crumples and he finally goes completely insane because he first (laughs) says, oh god, no as if he'd just seen a baby thrown into a wheat thresher, but (laughs) what does he do? What rational thing does Ben do, seeing that this woman that he's dated once and forced to kiss, oh no they they, they, did kiss once, I guess for real, and they're totally, <laughs> at least
0: one consensual kiss.
1: They're totally in love and stuff. And and he, what does he do? What rational thing does
0: he do? He begins beating his fists on the window above the sanctuary and screaming, "Elaine!"
1: And everyone in the church is like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!
0: Now, this fucking guy!
1: God damn it! We can't get rid of him. What, what is the problem? You know what this guy did, right?" And understandably, everyone in the church is really, really upset. But guess who then also goes insane via via <laughs> Stockholm syndrome by proxy, Steve?
0: It's Elaine.
1: Elaine does what? What does she do?
0: She screams. Ben.
1: <laughs> so ben somehow gets downstairs, and then he beats up Elaine's father.
0: Yes, he does. He he, he threatens a whole group of people with a cross with a, with cross. a giant cross. <laughs> Grabs
1: yeah. Lane, locks them all into the church. I'm surprised he didn't then set the fucking
0: <laughs> was, thing on fire. I was just gonna say, it. and then he sets it on fire, <laughs> and they watch it burn.
1: And then these two crazy kids who are rebelling against authority and and, and the bourgeoisie—I don't know what the fuck—they run away and they get on a bus. Yeah. And they go all the way to the back of the bus and they sit down and they're like, ha ha, ha. They don't kiss or nothing, do they? are just like, no. yippee And then, in an attempt to throw all this back in our face, <laughs> <it's> Steve. <laughs> What thing do they do that
0: almost salvages this film? Well, they they, they they hold on their faces for a very long time, and we see how uncertain they look after the euphoria starts to wear off. Like, at first they're smiling, and then they're kind of like, oh, uh, what... Like what happens? What happens now?
1: As the rational parts of their brains start talking to them, "Hey, you ruined your lives. (laughs) Hey, guys, you have really fucked up. Not just your lives, your parents' lives, everybody's life. Right? Congratulations, Ben. You have a sweet car that's just sitting on the side of the road, unlocked,
0: (laughs) with the keys in it. You left the keys keys in in it. it.
1: And what song starts (sighs) playing?" What song starts uh, playing, it, it, it's, Steve? It's
0: uh, Sound of Silence again
1: Uh-huh yeah. And the bus drives off And it's and it's the end And it it's runs off end. a bridge <laughs> it yeah.
0: drives off a bridge
1: You know, he just pushes her off the bus Because he fell in love instantaneously With
0: another woman <laughs> on the bus seats, There's a girl, like, two seats up And he's like, what's your name? Shut up, <laughs> Elaine What's your name? Stop dragging me down, Elaine <laughs> I don't want this kind of life This relationship is smothering me
1: and we cut to forty years later and they're bag people anyway? Steve, <laughs> the movie's over.
0: Uh, yes, so, the movie's over.
1: How did you feel about this movie about undiagnosed psychopathy, The Graduate?
0: Um, it's okay. So Ricky Gervais definitely didn't invent cringe comedy. I don't know if Mike Nichols invented it, but he was certainly doing it a lot longer <laughs> before yeah, the was. Office came around. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you know not every movie but lots of movies have what have a character that that i sort of informally refer to as the this fucking guy character yeah that's the character and often it happens if the, if you're like if it's a mystery story you know and it's a lot of different possible suspects who committed the crime and there's always a character who is the this fucking guy character who is probably not guilty of the crime but is such a fuck up and a dipshit and does every possible thing like to make them look as guilty as possible that every Every time they do something in in the movie, you just go this fucking guy. Yeah. Um, ben is the this fucking guy of this movie, uh-huh. but he's also the protagonist. Yeah, which, which is weird. It's it's one of the only situations and in, in like a major film I can think of where there's a this fucking guy, and it's actually the guy that the movie is about. Um, yeah. I I do really like this movie. Of course, um, you do. I do really like this movie. But before I launch into my into the <laughs> into the gushing praise portion of my review, uh-huh. um, there are a few things about the movie, some of which we have mentioned already, and some of which we haven't, that I want to yeah. to take note of. That that I that I don't like so much. Um, the big <laughs> the, the big thing is uh, something that we have talked about quite a bit already, which is that um, most of Ben's behavior in the movie is completely unacceptable. And by today's standards, and honestly, if people were probably, if they were able to look at it with clearer eyes, even by 1967 standards, um, it's just not okay. No, like, it's not okay to, to go In to people. In fact, people's... there are a
1: lot of people telling him how un-okay it is.
0: Yeah, it's not okay to go to people's houses and secretly watch them. It's not okay to go inside people's houses without asking permission. It's not okay to have sex with someone's mother and then have sex with them. And, you know, and then act like everybody else is your enemy when you're the one who is Disrupting people's lives, and, and then I mean, for
1: some reason, this daughter is now do you because you've managed to feel something with her?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, there's just a lot of things about Ben's behavior that are just t- totally unacceptable. Um, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute when I get to my my, my more positive comments. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't, um, I don't buy the romance between Benjamin and Elaine. Wait, I, there was romance. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I think we're we're sort of forced to accept that he loves her and that she and least has some kind of strong feeling for him but I don't really get that from what I'm showing on the screen they just sort of tell us it's like oh Ben loves Elaine now um, and that's just and it just sort of happens and we just we're sort of asked to go along with it I think that yeah. is whether you like the movie or not I think that is a flaw Um all, <laughs> Also, uh, I love the soundtrack. I love Simon and Garfunkel. But I do wonder if the film doesn't cheat sometimes by leaning on it so heavily. Um, obviously, like Mike Nichols is the director, and the music didn't wind up in the movie by accident. So you can't just say, well, that doesn't count, because he, the filmmaker chose to use the music in that way. But, yeah. but it does a lot of heavy lifting. He forced
1: them to change the lyrics to one of the songs.
0: Yeah, it was supposed to be Mrs. Roosevelt. Here's to you, Mrs. Yeah. Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so the movie does a lot of heavy lifting. And as you pointed out, like there are scenes in the movie where if the music was different, the scene would read very, very differently. Like if, if Ben's final sort of desperate chase to to find Elaine wasn't accompanied by those do 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 doo do's from Mrs. Robinson, it, uh-huh. could, it could very easily plays like super dark. Right. Um, so the movie does a lot of heavy lifting and um, it's hard to tell sometimes whether it's just the soundtrack that I'm loving and I just love this scene because of the song that's playing at this given moment or if it's the movie and the movie deserves credit or if that's even a distinction I ought to be making so that's something right. too um, the movie is very artful it's very artfully directed it's very artfully mm-hmm. written but yeah. it's, what, it's what you might call conspicuously artful like no, there, a little bit. There, there are shots there are sequences uh, those montages, especially the transitions from shot to shot in some of those montages, uh, there are scenes as written that while for the most part very well done, they have a quality it's it's hard to, to describe it. It's, they have a quality as though they're raising their hands and asking us to notice how good they are. You know what I yeah. mean? Like check out. Oh, did you see that shot? Oh, did you see that transition? That was good, right? Uh-huh. You know. Um, so those are some of the problems. I I think for the most part it works despite those problems. But what fascinates me about it is how does it work? Why does it work? Why do I like this film as much as I do? Yeah. Why? Why, Steve? <laughs> and... Why do you like this
1: film as much as you well, do? Well, I'm gonna why? I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to put my finger on it because I it, it's it's it's, it's complicated. Uh, First and foremost, I like the performances. I think Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft, especially are great. They create immediately distinctive and memorable characters and their scenes together are the best scenes. And they're the best thing about the movie. Their scenes together are wonderful. Um, whose scenes,
1: huh? Mrs. Robinson. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ben and Mrs. Robinson scenes, I think are are terrific. Um, especially in the first half. I, um, I, I think, I think it is, despite what I just said about conspicuously artful, I think it is a very well-directed movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It, it works. I think Mike Nichols he know he because he knows when to just let the camera run and let the actors do the work and there's a couple scenes like that. And even though it's very sort of as I said conspicuous, he's obviously put a lot of thought into this, into how yep. this all goes together visually, and I always appreciate that. Um, same thing for the writing you know this is one of those all time great writers movies when I was a young writer studying screenwriting reading screenplays this was exactly the kind of screenplay that I loved to read because it it shows you how to write a film that is a a screenplay meant to be given life by other people but how you can also assert your own voice as a writer without hopefully if you do it right without overwhelming the other voices or coming through too strong Um, that being said I don't like Benjamin. I don't like him. I I can't approve of what he does in the movie. But in certain ways, um, at at, at least at the beginning of the movie, before he goes on his and does all the things that he does, um, I, I relate to him. Um, Whoa! I, um, Wait! I, I just woke uh, up. What? What did you say? I relate. I re- I I re- I'm going to I'm going to explain what I, I don't relate to you him. You got yo. I don't relate to him in the sense of being a nascent sexual predator, but uh-huh. I relate to him in the sense of feeling aimless. Right? I, I sympathize with that feeling to a point, and I think I have to say to a point because eventually I I, I don't really sympathize with him anymore, but but <laughs> but I've I've felt aimless like he feels. I, uh-huh. I've I've felt that sort of un focused dissatisfaction that sense of not knowing what you want just that you want something else Um, I don't feel that way in my life now but I felt that way when I was the age that Ben is supposed to be I felt that way when I was younger than that in my teenage years and my young adulthood so that part rings true I do think we have to point out as you did at the beginning of the of our of our recap um, I did not have any of the advantages that Ben has No, (laughs) I was not from a wealthy family I was not gifted a, a car when I graduated I was right. not a scholar I was not a track star I did not have nope. a, a, a tiny I had but a tiny fraction of the advantages that Ben has so perhaps my sense of alienation and aimlessness was a little more justified than Ben's who has the whole yeah. world laid at his feet and it's still not good enough for him just want uh-huh. to put that out there um but but yeah I, I appreciate the way the film reinforces that feeling of alienation and aimlessness because those are really uh, those are as close to a core of Ben as we get Yet. Um, right, because he's basically a blank slate. Um, the only thing we know about him is that he doesn't know what he wants, and and uh-huh. he's not really sure what he's doing. So, I, and I like right. I like the fact that even though individual scenes in this movie are classically structured, the overall arc of it is very open, very meandering. <laughs> it's not following a definite course. We're not really sure what's going to happen. Um, I like the fact that it's ambiguous in terms of its tone. Uh, and this is yeah. coming back to whether or not we should we should be liking Ben for these things he's doing because there, there's enough there's enough in the movie to suggest that we maybe we're not supposed to take Ben's side you know, uh, maybe maybe we're not supposed to think that he's that he's a good guy. Maybe we're not supposed to want him and Elaine to be together. You know, maybe we should be judging him for how reckless he is and how obsessive he is and how disruptive he's been to these people's lives. Maybe we should pity him for being manipulated by Mrs. Robinson. Maybe we should feel bad for Mrs. Robinson because she's obviously had a very unfulfilling life. Um, maybe we should just feel sorry for everybody. Maybe everybody's life fucking sucks. Or maybe everybody's life is great and they're just too big of a fucking dipshit to read. Realize it. Um, uh-huh. th- there's a lot of ambiguity, and um, and because of that, I, I I don't know what my answers are to those questions. Um, and my feelings about it change almost every time I watch the movie. But the un- the one thing that doesn't change is I keep wanting to come back. It keeps compelling me to watch it. And every time I watch it, I see it through fresh eyes, and I and I like it in ways that I didn't like it before. And I notice things about it that I don't like that I maybe didn't notice before or see in a different way. Um, it's compelling. I'm, I'm, I'm always feeling something I'm invested, even though I'm not quite, I'm not quite able to articulate what it is I'm invested in. I'm interested Mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, And I'm laughing because it is a comedy and there are parts of it there that are extremely funny Um, So that's what I I wish I could put my finger on it and and be more specific in terms of exactly why I like the movie so much um, other than just noting the ambiguity. (laughs) But there's something about it that to me has always been undeniably compelling. Um, And that's why I have to give it a very, very positive review and say that I really, really like this movie. And now I'm done. Okay. Now you can talk. Is it my turn? Please, please. I wish you would. I wish And and make make me sound like the biggest fucking... (laughs) <laughs> make me feel bad for liking the movie, please.
1: I don't ever do I this know, to no, make you, you feel don't. bad about you liking don't. this piece of shit. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay, yes.
1: let me put it. Let me put it this way: um, Mike Nichols is a very talented director. Mm-hmm. I think this movie um, does a really good job of uh, showing rather than telling, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the movie itself. Has a very definite opinion about these characters and about what happens in this movie by the final scene in the film. Yeah. Which is ultimately, ha, ha none of this works, they're idiots, and you are idiots if you're behind them for the bulk of this movie. Ha ha ha, nothing's changed, they suck. Which is basically kind of like, even after all of this, him destroying his life his parents' life, probably his dad's business because Mr. Robinson and Mr. Biotic are business partners. <laughs> yep. Mrs. Robinson's life, Elaine's life, uh, the guy who was going to marry Elaine's life, yep. um, his own life, all of these lives are completely destroyed over this act of complete and total psychotic selfishness. Right? Yeah. Motivated by... Um, motivated by... Uh, oh. It's motivated... <sighs> it's... um. There's he does this because he's uh, uh, he can't um, yeah that's 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 it that's my that's that's my problem <laughs> right there see one of the things about a script is that you kind of need to make motivations clear now whether I agree with those motivations or not that's one thing, okay? The closest thing that we ever hear as to what's going on with him is that brief conversation where he says, "Um, I've had this feeling ever since I graduated this kind of compulsion that I have to be rude all the time. And we we see him being rude all the time. He doesn't say why, but he says it's like it's like I've been playing some kind of game, but the rules don't make any sense to me. They're being made up by all the wrong people, and she kind of agrees with him a little bit. And I guess that means love, right? <laughs> sure. Is yeah. That, is that what that means? Yeah. Okay. I can I can appreciate the artistry in this film, and I can even appreciate that little coda right at the end that says, "Ha ha, idiots." <laughs> <laughs> These people have destroyed their lives. But uh, from a modern perspective, which I'm watching this now, and let's say even from a 1967 perspective, he's rebelling against what, Steve? What is he? He doesn't want to become his parents.
0: His parents, I think. I th- yeah, probably. If if you can put the uh, two as people, as people that appear to be completely something. in
1: love and are yeah. and are you know. They don't fight. There's never an argument between the two of them. They obviously want what's best for their son. Yeah. They have a nice house. They have a pool. They get a little concerned that all he's doing is loafing around and leaving at, at night and not telling him where he's going or just flat out lying. There's a scene in there in which he's shaving and his mom comes in in a slip and, and wants to talk to him about what's going on. And for a moment, I'm like, wait, is she going to hit on him? Is yeah. she going to want to fuck him too? Oh God, please not there. Please not there.
0: <laughs> don't do this movie. Don't do this.
1: But she's kind of like like, well, if you're not going to tell me the truth, I don't don't lie to me, Yeah, right? So his parents know what's going on, and so now we're kind of like well, okay, I get it. There's this main character who feels empty inside for some reason, right? He's afraid of his future and he doesn't feel like there's anybody that he can talk to about who winds up sleeping with Mrs. Robinson for some reason, I guess to escape the malaise of his life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, then that kind of explodes and he goes crazy
0: at the end. <laughs> That's a pretty good summary. That's a good summary of his character arc.
1: (laughs) But there was a moment in which I stopped laughing at this film and I started hating it. And the reason I started hating it was because everyone describes this movie as, this is a coming of age story. And I'm like, no, it's not. It is not. It is not a coming of age story we have to we are trapped because we now live in this society here in which we have to watch this person's behavior and this person's behavior is more than just not acceptable it makes him completely unlikable and I feel huge amounts of sympathy for Mrs. Robinson Mr. Robinson his parents Elaine who has a psychotic break literally and starts being in love with Ben for some fucking reason And I recognized the awkward comedy, and there were a couple of parts where I really, really laughed, but there was a point in which I, the beginning of the movie, I did not care for Ben. I did not care about his ennui, and I did not care about what he was feeling, because he wasn't talking about it, so he just seemed like a mopey ingrate. Now, maybe it's because I'm almost 50. And I can't identify with that because I've never gone through a period of malaise where I was worried about the future or doing whatever. But I flat out really kind of hated him at the beginning, and it didn't get better as I was going through it. (laughs) I don't care how uh, artistically shot it is. I don't care what statements are being made at this point. I now openly hate the character and feel bad for everyone he comes in contact with, and the movie was made so that he was the central character that we're supposed to identify with? Now, unless you some kind of East Coast weirdo, some liberal weirdo like Steve, and you can identify with this creepazoid, I had no in. I had no in to be able to identify with Ben, who is on screen, I think, in every single fucking scene. Mm-hmm. Okay? There aren't any scenes without him in it, really, are there?
0: Not that I can think of. Certainly no None important scenes. that I scenes. can think of either. Yeah.
1: Right. And what do we have? An expressionless mopey dude who doesn't smile, who doesn't seem to have any fun. I think he smiled once briefly while having sex with Mrs. Robinson. We don't see them having sex. Right before he provokes her into a conversation that she never wanted, yeah. where we learn more about Mrs. Robinson than we do about him. Right, The fact that she didn't intend to get pregnant with Elaine, that she married Mrs. Robinson because she got pregnant, because she was studying art in school, and maybe that she has a whole lot of regrets because she's had to give up on her studies. And all this other stuff And all of a sudden I'm like oh fuck So Mrs. Robinson is now A victim of this asshole yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. that's what he Fucking is And I can't watch the movie anymore Objectively going oh the, the time period I'm trying to figure out How people in the 1960s Watched this and went yeah And then I remembered oh this, I remember Who this is made for Oh yeah <laughs> those people you are acting in your own self-interest, regardless of the destructiveness of your own goddamn behavior, so long as it makes you feel good temporarily in the moment, is what's important, right, Steve? <laughs> and, then,
0: and then they all left the theater, and they did that to the whole world. <laughs> the ending... Where they slip
1: right back into their ennui, when they slip right back into their misery. Q. Simon and Gar- Garfunkel, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." That was made for the generation that loved this movie. That was made for their fucking parents and for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it.
1: <laughs> and it's not enough to save the experience. Not for me. I, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love a good. I love a good twist at the end of a movie, and the twist at the end of this movie is, ha ha, suckers. <laughs> It didn't work. They're doomed. (laughs) So I can appreciate that. I appreciate where it is in history. There are a lot of people that lifted from this film. Oh, my God. They lifted shots and everything else, everything from risky business to a whole bunch of other, quote-unquote, coming-of-age movies. But... Like I said, it reaches a point, especially when it comes to Mrs. Robinson, where the fallout from his behavior is no longer funny. The shot of her all the way down in the hallway after he decides, after one date, to tell Elaine the truth, and Mrs. Robinson looks completely destroyed, is when I would have hit Benjamin with a truck. (laughs) And you don't want me doing that halfway through (laughs) your fucking movie, do you, movie? I'd gladly drown. Him in his own pool. Oh, what? I forgot to re- refill the tank on your scuba gear? Oh, darn. <laughs> Gee, he looks pretty
0: agitated under there.
1: Hope everything's Especially okay. Especially since he has his weight belt on, and for some reason
0: it won't come off. Weird. <laughs> anybody ben, want some more bubbles oh look the bubbles have blood in it how did that happen <laughs> anybody wants up from the kitchen I'm going in huh? do I think this
1: movie is evil no do I think this movie is is bad not necessarily I don't think it's a bad movie I think it's a very well-made film I think that there were a lot of things that people are trying to say I'm just saying that he took the risk of losing half of his audience by making Ben a psychopath and guess what I was one of those people that got lost <laughs> at this point I was living I was watching the movie in dread not in humor when Mr. Robinson shows up I know that that's supposed to be played in humor, but that man is disintegrating before his eyes because yeah. of something that this fucking 21-year-old piece of shit has done to his entire life. And what is Ben's reaction? I'm going to marry his daughter. I'm, I I'm. I know I wrecked your life and you're getting a divorce, but I'm going to marry your daughter next. I'm going to become your son-in-law. I'm going to potentially be the father of your grandchildren. Ha ha! I would have beaten him to death with whatever was handy because he's a dangerous person at this point. An obsessive, dangerous person. He's not a fucking hero. If I ever hear someone say, you know who I really like, I like Benjamin Braddock from from The Graduate. I'll beat them to death, too. (laughs) He'll immediately
0: turn on them and kill them for the safety of the world.
1: Steve will be lucky if he doesn't get a letter bomb next week. Anyway... so what am I saying what I'm saying is is that I'm sure it was kind of funny in the 19 late 60s but even Ben uh, even Siskel and Ebert walked back to their original reviews of this movie
0: yes they did yes they did they
1: walked it back and they said he's not good and we feel more sympathy for Mrs. Robinson Mr. Robinson and they said maybe it's because we've gotten older and we can see it more objectively which is a, a great way to view a film younger people may see this and go oh okay but I think that the older people will go, oh shit, a psychopath is loose, <laughs> and we gotta we gotta do something about it. <laughs> Stop that bus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. It's not a good experience. I don't. I don't like it. So uh, Steve, uh-huh.
0: how do you feel? Uh-huh. What is your final recommendation? Recommend or not recommend for the graduate? I I am going. I'm going to say recommend. I'm not there we go
1: we're done <laughs> I appreciate its place in history but this thing is fading away because of its content
0: yeah that's what I what we what, what I sort of alluded to at the beginning it, it it's pl- if you notice its place on the you know the top 100 greatest films list it has gradually been sort of slipping further and further down
1: yeah because yeah. as we develop as a society we're looking at this thing going oh no 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 <laughs>
0: I don't know about this
1: and if you've never seen it and all you've heard is that it's a coming of-age story about a man who has, has you know, a young man who has an affair with an older woman, and then you discover what ne- more than half of the movie is actually about, you may have the same reaction that I have, which is, I fucking hate this thing. I hate, I... I feel so bad for everyone except the main character. So, yeah, yeah, not recommend. Hey,
0: Steve. Yeah, man.
1: Do you have a movie that you want to not recommend I... since you recommended The Graduate?
0: <laughs> I do. I do. I, I've, I've... Or
1: would you rather just sit in blackness and stare off into space while Simon and
0: Garfunkel play? Oh, I would love to do that. And then you cut to a different <laughs> shot of me and it looks like I'm still sitting against the black, but I'm sitting against yeah. a different black thing. Yeah, artistic. Yeah? Artistic. artistic, yeah. Um, that doesn't
1: look villainous at all.
0: <laughs> Why is he always photographed in super close? up against a black at, background
1: at any moment I expected them to pull back and he's strangling his mother with oh a phone cord <laughs> with that same blank expression with the same blank
0: expression <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Maybe for the sequel if they ever do that, which they have threatened a few times over the years. Um,
1: oh, you mean where they become hippies or something? I guess. They, yeah, uh,
0: I don't, don't know. know. Um, just leave Catherine Ross alone. Yeah, just leave her to whatever she wants to do with her life.
1: Whatever she's doing now. Yeah. Don't don't get Dustin Hoffman involved in anything. She's anyway, fine. Well, I'm sure she's
0: fine. Yeah, um Anyway, fine. okay. So my not recommendation is one of the uh, one of the misses from the career of Mike Nichols. He. <laughs> he he had a pretty pretty solid career as a director, as we mentioned at the beginning. Most of his he did most of his noteworthy films were were very good, or, or at least in the case of the Graduate, even though opinions may be mixed, were at least noteworthy and, and regarded as consequential movies. Um, yeah, but then. In 1991, (laughs) he directed this film that on paper looks like a really, really good movie, has a fantastic cast led by, at the time, the number one movie star in the world, Harrison Ford, Um, co-starring Annette Bening.
1: Uh-huh. Um, uh, really? Yeah. Oh wait, I know. yeah yeah. And
0: okay. uh yeah, and this and and written by an up and coming young screenwriter who had yet to make his mark in Hollywood but but would eventually by the name of JJ J. Abrams. Uh-huh. His this is his first credited screenwriting work, I believe. It's it is? it's a little movie um about a man who is a huge asshole and then he get, what? and then he gets <laughs> shot and he wakes up and he has brain damage and he's a nice guy.
1: And everyone loves and him. Everyone, Everyone no
0: loves him, and his life is perfect—not perfect. All but you his need life to do
1: is... if you're a huge asshole is have that part of your brain get blown away yeah. during a, a, a drugstore heist. Ex- exactly,
0: and everything's fine. And it's—it's it's a little film called Regarding Henry. <sighs> yeah, oh boy, not a good movie. In any, <laughs> in any way, really, a, a, a very syrupy, sentimental, pandering movie that tries to make you happy and tries to make you sad and is sort of yeah. like one of those tear jerky, like, oh, isn't this so meaningful and emotional? He type gets of a thing. puppy. He gets a puppy. He reconnects with his family. You know, and it's like, oh, look, look at all the good things in his life that he neglected because of his career or because of this or that. And now that he has brain damage, (laughs) he can... He can appreciate how great his life is because traumatic uh-huh. head injuries are really wonderful things yeah. that can yeah. fix your life, and they're not things to that people need help with. It's it's just you know if you're an asshole and and you get shot, you'll probably wake up and you'll be a whole new person, and yeah. it'll be great. Um, so yeah, that's I hate my... to say
1: this, Steve. Yes, there's precedent for it. Well,
0: that, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: There are people who suffer ma- who suffer major strokes, and when they come out of it, they're completely different people.
0: Oh sure. Oh I, I yeah definitely. But I, I get the feeling even in those situations it's it's a little bit more complicated than what we see Oh yeah here yeah yeah you know yeah. there <laughs> um, so uh... So yeah, um, and i'm 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 looking through I'm looking through my my notes about it, and I, I see that yeah. there's, there's uh in, in in his review, Roger Ebert was especially annoyed by the fact that uh one of the one of the crucial sort of turning points in the movie is um when uh when Henry's uh Henry's cheating on his wife is revealed by the fact that Ritz Crackers and the Ritz Carlton Hotel both have the name Ritz in their name, and <laughs> and, and Ebert. Ebert noted that in his review as especially uh-huh. annoying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, um, not a good movie at all. Terrible movie. Don't 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 watch. Regarding Henry, whatever you do, that is my not recommendation.
1: Well, as you guys know, I like to recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just uh, reviewed, and the year is 1967. And I'm going to make a slightly sentimental recommend for a movie that I watch and like, mainly because I was in the stage production of the same thing. So this is the movie version. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. And uh, so the movie I'm going to recommend is a thriller, and it's known for having one of the scariest moments in in movies, although it's not considered, it's not part of the AFI 100 or anything like that. But it's a little movie that stars Audrey Hepburn, Alan Larkin, Richard Crenna, and Jack Weston, and the movie's called Wait Until Dark.
0: Ooh. You ever seen it? Yes, I have. It's been a long time, but yes, I've seen it. I
1: played yet. Harry Rote Junior and Senior oh, from Scarsdale. Wow, <laughs> the villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically about this blind lady that gets involved with a bunch of crooks and criminals, and there's mur- and the guy tries to kill her at the end, and it's super scary. I'm not going to give away too much about it, but that's that's pretty much it, right, Steve? Yeah, pretty much. They try to con her out of a doll full of drugs. And so, um, <laughs> you know, this movie isn't like super well-known or anything like that, but I really enjoyed it. And now that you look back at it, you're like, why are they going through this? Just kill her and take the <laughs> <laughs> You're making this way too hard. But it's one of those few ones where Alan Arkin gets to play a bad guy. You know, usually he's playing a nice guy. This time he's playing a real yeah. evil guy. And he
0: is such a great actor. Oh, yeah, he is. Such a great actor.
1: And so I'm going to recommend that. Wait until dark. Go find it. You'll like, it will be good. I don't like Audrey Hepburn all that much. I don't even really like her in this movie, but I like the movie. I don't even like Richard Crenna. Why Richard Crenna, of all things? Anyway.
0: Anyway. Wow, you're just filled with hate.
1: I'm filled with hate. If it doesn't have Gene Hackman in it, what's the <laughs> point?
0: If it's a movie from the 60s and Gene Hackman's not in it, fuck it. What are yeah, you, exactly. What are you doing? He was available.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's it. Thanks, you guys, for listening in. Hey, Steve. Uh-huh. Guess what? What? you? get to make a terrible
0: oh, choice. Oh boy, I love these.
1: A or B, Steve. Oh, A or B. Oh. Steve is now going to select what the next review is going to be. He has to choose A or B. A, something good. B, something bad.
0: Wow. Oh boy! So
1: much hangs in the balance, Dave. Come on, A, or B, A I, or B? Okay,
0: I'm going. I'm going to choose this, and I'm only choosing this because when I looked around the room just now, the first one of those two letters that I saw printed on something. <laughs> was A so I'm going to choose A dun, 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 dun. good
1: job oh boy had you
0: picked B our next review would have been dumb and dumber ooh okay
1: but instead we're going to review a movie that came out the same fucking year as hard as it is to believe that both of these movies were in the top highest grossing films for the same year oh boy dumb and dumber we're going to review the good choice and this is a this actually is the first time that we're going to be reviewing this director's material Ooh. on the show. Oh boy! The next movie that we're going to review, I don't think I have to push you guys to see it because it is actually a very good film. But we're going to see if it holds up. Is a little film from Quentin Tarantino.
0: Oh hey, I like where this is going. That has
1: everybody in it. <laughs> <laughs> has, like, five different storylines, and everything's chopped up and out of order, and I don't think I need to tell you guys that the movie that we're going to review next time is Pulp Fiction, do I?
0: Hopefully some of you guessed.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, if you haven't seen it, please watch the movie before next time so you can get all the jokes.
0: Right, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, do your homework.
1: Yeah, do your homework. So, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding.
0: And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. You'll pardon me if I don't shake hands with you. Why?
1: Are my hands dirty?
0: I know what you did.
1: I wash after I wipe. How do you know I don't? Are you watching me I've, in the bathroom?
0: I've, people have told me the kind of things that you do.
1: I promise they don't smell like your wife anymore. Oh, <laughs> guy. You are. I did it for a little while. I would keep a pair of her panties in my pocket and just kind of rub it, and it makes it takes the ennui away briefly. Yeah. It's, it's okay.
0: Oh, oh, you.
1: Hey, I noticed at your party that your mom your mom was there. Is she single? Oh, you. I just want to fuck every woman in your family. Is that okay, Mister Robinson?
0: I've got the landlord to this place out back digging a hole right now. Your dog's pretty sexy. Don't damn you! Damn
1: you to hell! Please kill me. That's all I want you to do is kill me. Please. How many more people in your life do I have to have sex with before you agree to kill me, Mr. Robinson? Please. I can't. I lack the courage to do it myself.
0: Oh, boy. Jason Harding's the graduate. That would be something to see, wouldn't it?
1: Do I have to start to... Do I have to start leaving my genetic material all over your things in your house? Please. What will it take to break you? We're in the top floor of this hostel. Just push me out of (laughs) wiggle. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.